0: Bonjour tout le monde, and welcome to our third episode of Presque Parisienne. I'm Kelly, your co-host, and I'm joined today by Delara. Hi, Delara.
1: Hi, everyone. So before we get started today, uh, let me introduce you to where we are recording. So we're at Parc de Bercy, which is Parc of Bercy, uh, situated in the 12th arrondissement. I looked into it a little bit. It was built in the late 90s, so it's pretty uh, much of a recent urban park. Uh, there are three different gardens here. Each one includes like different plants or ponds. I personally don't come here very often. However, I really like the bridge Simon de Beauvoir, uh, that's on the west side of the park, which crosses the Seine River and it actually connects the Tuberta arrondissement to the 13th. Uh, and it's a pedestrian bridge and you can go on bikes but no cars are allowed. I mean, it has a kind of a nice view, and it's also like Simone de Beauvoir is one of my favorite authors. But Anyway, so that's where we are today. So, today's episode will be about the food culture here, particularly in Paris, but a bit of of a wider perspective on the French cuisine. I mean, we're very much aware that this is a massive topic, and there are tons of books, documentaries, I mean, any kind of uh, informative media, basically, that gives much in-depth insight into this topic. And we're not really aiming on covering this topic in depth. At least nine, only one episode, mm. maybe we'll record another one. But today we really wanted to talk about the traditional French cuisine, how we observe it in our daily lives here, the schedule of the meals, uh, maybe a few rules around eating that we found challenging mm. to adapt to, and the food scenery mm. in the city that we live in. Also, like just a little disclaimer, If you're here to learn more about how French people eat so much fat food and they stay so thin, you're in the wrong place. Because both Kelly and I, we don't really buy into these debunkable cliches and most certainly we're not the experts on giving that kind of diet advice.
0: We wanted to talk about this today because, well, France is well known throughout the world for having such a wide gastronomy. Um, it's known for having pride in its food and its love mm-hmm. of food is like well known across the globe. Yeah. So this was a topic that we just, we had to start with this really because it's such a, a massive part of our lives now. Okay, so Dolara, what makes traditional French cuisine so special? I think for me what makes it so
1: special is really the preparation process of it and the ingredients being used. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the traditional way of cooking here, although it changes from region to region, It really comes down to using simple, naturally produced, and seasonal ingredients and transforming them by using very artistic techniques. Um, Cooking and baking here is really seen as a form of art. And Coming from Turkey, a country that has the heritage of the Ottoman Empire, this uh, big, huge melting pot of Anatolian and Balkan cuisine, over there, it's more about like mixing many spices, sauces, sorts of meat and <laughs> vegetables together to make a dish that's quite flavorful. Here, I find it's more minimalistic compared to what I'm used to. It's really not about that mix and match, but the right partnership between a few ingredients and tasting each ingredient as you eat the dish. Mm. I'm always quite impressed on also the attention to detail uh, they pay attention to while cooking here in majority of the dishes. Although there's one thing that I find similar in both cultures, it's the thrifting, so like recycling the resources. Mm -hmm. Uh, You may not find this way of cooking in fine dining restaurants in France.
0: I don't know if you've been to any. I haven't. Um once before I went to a Michelin Star restaurant oh. in Bordeaux. Yeah. Philip Eschebest's restaurant. Did you like the experience? I, I really did. Yeah. The se- the service, the food. The only thing which I found a bit strange was the wine was so expensive. Of course. Um but it was in Bordeaux. I thought, well, surely the wine will be cheaper. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was very pleasant and absolutely worth the money.
1: Mm, I see. I mean, in not all of them, but in majority of the fine da- dining restaurants in France, they take big pride in serving you the best part of the animal or the vegetable. Mm-hmm. However, in traditional French cuisine, actually, it's all about using the seasonal ingredients as buying that ingredient in the season is the cheapest way. And I personally find that is the best way of consuming it as well. But it's also making use of every part of it. Yep. so let's say recycling the leftovers for another dish like instead of throwing away mm-hmm. an old cheese that's like too hard to eat uh, you melt it in a different kind of dish
0: so that's like my two cents on it yeah and i know for a fact that you particularly hate waste i know that this is one of <laughs> this is one of your buttons and yes. you hate wasting food exactly. so i think this is why you probably this sort of idea of Preparing something but making the most out of the ingredients is really appealing to you because you, I know how much you hate that.
1: Exactly, exactly. But how
0: about you Kelly? What do you think makes the traditional
1: French cuisine so special?
0: Well for me it's not really the cuisine itself. For me it's the ceremony around eating with people. Ah. I'm not sure, is ceremony the right word? That might be, I'm not sure. Uh, it is. <laughs> it's not, you're not exaggerating. <laughs> yeah. Every meal that you have here, you tend to eat with a group of people at mm-hmm. all the time. It's such a social thing. It's, it's there to bond people together. It's mm-hmm. there to have a good time and to socialise. It's the best way to get to know the people that you're with. Yeah. And for me, that's what makes it special. When I was when I was growing up, we weren't a family that really sat together and enjoyed those moments together. There for me, yeah. And to have that here for me, that's a special part of it.
1: Yeah, that's true, and that I found the most challenging part to adapt to as well.
0: So, Delara, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of French cuisine? Uh, okay, that's that's a really easy question. Cheese and wine. Oh yeah, for
1: sure. <laughs> I mean, there's so many different kinds of both and. Again, depending on the region, yeah. Um, there are also so many different ways of using them, like in terms of either you eat it or drink it or you use them for cooking. I'm not gonna go into a lot of detail here, um, especially on wine because that definitely worths an episode by itself. Yeah. What about you, Kelly? What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of
0: traditional French cuisine? It has to be croissants and baguettes. Ah, yeah. It's such a stereotype. I love croissants; they're so good. They're so nice and um, they're fluffy. They're so nice and fluffy, and I think they're just baked butter. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what else goes into a croissant. I think it's just a lump <laughs> of baked butter. Also, baguettes. Yeah. Again, very stereotypical. Um, you do see everywhere people carry baguettes around constantly. Yeah. And you know, I felt like I was a, a true French person with my daily baguette when I went out to get one. Yeah, um, you see the
1: big lines of people waiting outside of boulangerie. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I would say really anything that comes from a boulangerie, Mm -hmm. uh, croissants, baguettes, pan au chocolat, all the pastries, you know, these really fancy pastries, the pari breasts and all those sort of things. There's like a boulangerie on practically every street corner so for me that's what comes to my mind straight away
1: yeah and i have i have a confession to make after having lived here for over a decade now i do not like the bread outside of france like when i go anywhere i just do not enjoy the bread Yeah.
0: yeah the bread is is special and it's hard to explain why because it's just bread but it is it's just different yeah they make it so good but to revisit what you just mentioned about
1: croissants, I think it's a, let's have a quick dive into the eating schedule here, because that was also one of the main challenges that I had: uh, the types of food that they eat per meal, as well as the hours. So, talking about breakfast, because that's croissants uh, brought in my mind. I come from a culture that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I mean, there's poetry written about it in Turkish. Uh, Traditional Turkish breakfast is quite heavy with fried or scrambled eggs, fresh vegetables Mm. and a variety of cheese, marmalade, different kinds of pastries and all. So it's a heavy uh, breakfast and it's mainly savory. And even on a regular day, you wouldn't really skip it. Mm. Although you can have a much lighter version of it. However, here I find it quite light. And yes, sometimes they skip that. I mean, okay. there is this cliche of like French people having their cafe and cigarette only for their breakfast. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an exaggeration. Yeah. But they do not put that much importance on uh, breakfast here. Uh, it could be any sort of viennoiserie, uh, like croissants or pain au chocolat if not uh, sweet biscuits Mm -hmm. or granola or a healthier option could be some fruits but my main point is it's usually sweet and i still cannot have a sweet breakfast (laughs) i need my savory (laughs) breakfast in
0: the morning well i guess the next meal is obviously going to be midday lunchtime yeah always midday sometimes half past 12. most restaurants most takeaway places will be absolutely full come quarter past 12. yeah uh, during the week it's almost like a mini dinner on its on its own mm-hmm. actually. Working here culturally is different because lunch is such an important part of the day. Yeah. All of your colleagues will get together for mm-hmm. like an extended period of time. Sometimes a cheeky colleague might have a glass of wine. <laughs> But it's not in the culture here to sit at your desk with a sandwich alone, no. it's, it's just, it just doesn't happen. This goes back to the ceremony that I was talking about, yeah. how every meal is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and also what I found interesting
1: is that lunch places, restaurants are usually open, let's say like 11.30ish, and then they usually shut down at 3pm.
0: Yeah, that's
1: true. Unless you find a restaurant that says Service Continu, Uh, yeah you cannot really get lunch there's really a time dedicated for it and it's quite sacred their lunch break Yeah. and after lunch there's also another meal it's called Gute it's also called 4 o'clock it's a sweet snack uh, which you have when you're as a kid but the tradition still continues
0: did you ever have that? As a kid, no, it, was, it wasn't it was something that I had within my daily routine. Mm. However, I have tried a piece of baguette uh-huh. and two pieces of chocolate, okay. and the chocolate had caramel in it, so you put butter on the baguette and then you wrap the, the piece of chocolate in the baguette. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's super rich though. It's heavy, no?
0: Yeah, really rich, really heavy, but so delicious.
1: I saw this on a video on Instagram and immediately I went to my partner and I was like, is this a real thing? And now you're mentioning it too.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I guess it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Yeah, I'm not sure if I would like that. Although, like,
1: it also surprises me because I find in France, snacking is, like, a bit frowned upon. Mm -hmm. Even when you see, like, public service announcements on the metro Mm -hmm. and stuff. Uh, they do write that disclaimer saying that snacking between meals mm. are not good for your health. Yeah. But then there is the goutte that comes after lunch and then for adults only there's apero.
0: Uh, apero, of course. So just before dinner we'll have drinks mm-hmm. and we'll have some snacks, and peanuts, and olives, all, all these little things that you can eat with your fingers. Mm-hmm. And it's just a way to sort of mark the start of dinner time yeah. actually. Aperot, obviously, aperitif, so you're, you're, you'll you're drink like an aperitif, obviously. <laughs> um, I've been known to drink a beer or two during Aperot.
1: And I had been introduced to Aperot in Paris, and Aperot is different in Paris because there's a planche. Ah, uh, okay. And apparently that's called apéro dinatoire. Okay. Which means that the, because of the amount of food that you have, mm. you can skip dinner.
0: I only know plonge from having had sheer plonge in bars. Yeah. It's kind of a, a, just a nice sort of thing to have with when you're yeah. having a few drinks with friends. Um, so you can have a plonge mixed, you can have a plonge charcuterie and a plonge fromage. So yeah. um, meat, cheese, or both. There's yeah. the bread and butter, uh, cornichon, or, or pickles, I guess. Yeah. Um, and everyone just shares it well over a few beers. It's, it's, like, like, it's, tapas. A it's yeah. like tapas. Yeah. It is, it's like
1: nice tapas. because it, there's so much food being shared. Normally you would not eat after that. But yeah. I thought it was apéro was always like that. Okay. And then I, when I went to my partner's uh, to visit my partner's family, mm. we had apéro, and I was like, "Where's the plush <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, "No, no, no. That's like very Parisian, Dilara. Here we don't do that." Ah, right, I was okay. like, oh, okay, okay." The last meal of the day is the dinner. Mm. <laughs> I guess we could have talked about this during the lunch part, but I, it's important to mention the courses But mm. on the dinner. The basics would be entrée, like starters, plat, the main dish, fromage, cheese, and then dessert. Yep. I find it here, we're always finishing on a sweet note mm. on the dessert. It can be a piece of fruit, no, yep. and I, I kind of find that nice, and yep. I'm craving for that now, <laughs> although I don't have a sweet tooth.
0: The thing I noticed about the dinner here is the time that you actually... Uh, yeah sit down to eat with each other, mm-hmm. um, it can be pretty late. I mean, you can start your dinner around about, like, any anywhere between s- 7 and 9, I guess. Yeah,
1: I would say even, like, 8, eight and
0: 9. Yeah. When I was growing up, my family used to eat at 4... <gasps> 4pm Dolara. So you had Gute yes dinner? Yes. Yes, I had a full meal for Gute but um, yeah I would finish school at half past three, I would come home and my dinner would be there at um, four o'clock or half past four. That's a bit madness. Now that I think about it, it's crazy early, who would eat dinner at that time? Um, but you know, in fairness, later on we did have a little supper, we would have like ah. a little bit of cheese and crackers or something, just a, a kind of little snack. Around about eight or nine, so I think uh-huh. we're kind of doing it in the in the opposite the, yeah, way.
1: That was your apero.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> we did it the wrong way around But yeah, I sometimes feel it can be very late to eat like such a heavy meal with so many courses. Mm-hmm. So I did a thing. What I decided to send a question to my colleagues on Slack for their opinion on the unbreakable rules. Around eating uh-huh. in France,
1: yeah, I didn't know Kyla did this either, uh, and she just told me as we came here. So I don't know the responses, <laughs> and I'm super like curious about knowing how many responses yeah. did you get?
0: I th- I got around about forty or fifty responses oh, wow. from yeah. Everyone was like really into. That, that, that's it. a lot
1: of responses yeah, in a just, day.
0: Yeah, in an afternoon, and it just goes to show how many people have so many opinions on the rules around eating. It's yeah, it's very telling. So. Okay, I'm super curious. But I think before we dive
1: into that, I want to give a little bit of context, at least on my perspective. Coming to France as a foreigner and learning all these rules, it was a bit of a challenge for me. I did not really want to stand out. And it's also like I come from a family where we didn't eat together. I was never introduced to table manners and I've always seen it. As a class issue so I was reacting really bad to it at the beginning as if like people were telling me how to behave as if like I need to be bourgeois or whatever uh, so for me it was a challenge to adjust to and it took me a while to understand the context behind the rules and actually appreciate them
0: sometimes eating in a large group of people when you're when you don't know these unspoken rules it's, it's a bit anxiety-inducing but you know this is flexible just depends on who you're with yeah and ultimately it doesn't really matter back then it did as you said I did not want to stand out in any way and mm-hmm. um, so I wanted to make sure that I was following these rules
1: you don't really have
0: to follow them religiously you know
1: it's Mm. just it's just the fun part of it and if you're in a group of people i don't want to be negative but if they're like really judging you for not following these (gasps) religiously maybe you're with the wrong group of
0: people i don't know so do you want to know the rules yes go ahead rule number one
1: Ah. Yes, so it means fat is life, like yes. the grease, greasy yes. fat is life. Yes. And oh, this is funny because mm. I heard this, my partner's stepdad says that I think it's a saying, Avec du beurre, tout est meilleur. <laughs> <laughs> so it means with but butter, everything is better. It even rhymes
0: in English. It does. I, and I see no lie there. Yeah, butter makes everything better.
1: And the salted butter is here is so good. Mm. Um, do you know where salted
0: butter is from? It's from Britain, no? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So basically, in that region, they kept the salted butter mm-hmm. because before, in France, uh, all the butters were salted, and then they introduced this tax on salt. Okay. So everybody stopped using it and okay. the butter as a practice. <laughs> but because that region was still not a part of France, they right. kept it. Okay. And then they want they joined France. They said if you are going to tax us on the salt this is not happening (laughs) so they're not getting taxed over there on salt and that's why it's like from that region and i didn't know this
0: okay so the second rule is you always have bread on the table ah yeah and good bread yes and it's always
1: free uh, when you order a meal you don't have they they cannot charge you at the restaurants for bread and you can always order more
0: yeah, that's true. And if you have a, a if you have a plonge guaranteed you will not have enough bread with it. Yeah. Um I think they do this on purpose because you have to get up and say, Can I have more bread please? And you always have to ask for more and it's mm-hmm. like, Why not just give me more in the first place? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and if you also get a jug of water, which mm. is called Karafto, that's also free, which I appreciate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you could do a tour of like um brasseries around here and just like live off of like bread and water for yeah. free. Yeah. yeah, that's the point That's the basics. <laughs> <laughs> so rule number three, you have to talk about the food that you're eating oh. while you're eating it.
1: Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, that's very true. And it's, it's even the comparison of the previous food that was similar to that food or that was that good. The food conversation at the dinner table is very, it can go on for ages. It, can. True, yeah.
0: it can. It can really make a dinner last a, a really long time. Mm. Um, describing what you're eating, as you say, describing what you've eaten before, what it's reminding you of. Um, and yeah, it's this sort of again a bonding experience with everyone to talk about like what's on their plate. <laughs> okay, morals, morals. What else? Okay, so this is a good one. Number four is you always say bon appetit. Ah yes.
1: Yes. Can you explain what that is? I mean, I think everybody knows, but... Yeah,
0: I think, I, I think we're all familiar with this. So, yep, yeah, just before you start your meal, wait for everyone to get their plate. No one starts before mm. everything is served. And then just before you start eating, everyone wishes each other a bon appetit. And it's a lovely thing.
1: Yeah. In Turkish, uh, we say afiyet uh, olsun, which means have a nice appetite. So, mm. basically, that's what bon appetit is. What I didn't know about bon appetit saying it in France, is you only say it at the beginning right. of the meal, whereas in Turkey, you can't say it beginning, during, after, any time to when pe- <laughs> you see people eating, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> there are no rules about saying it, basically.
0: Yeah. Um, I think here, once you change courses, you are free to say, Bon you Ah, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, midway through the meal. So, you know, that spirit continues all the way through the meal. Ah, oh, nice. When, but the, the, the thing that I like about it, is that it's not really just when you're sitting in a restaurant with a group of people. So, for example, I went out and I bought lunch from a small takeaway place near mm-hmm. my near my apartment. And as I was walking home, I was stopped by um, this guy who was wearing a Amnesty International T-shirt. Mm-hmm. You know those people who stop you in the street and try and get you to sign up. To yeah, the NGOs. Yeah. Yeah. So I was walking towards him, and I could see him coming.
1: He's eyeing you.
0: Yeah, he was. He was like I've got and I was walking towards him. And he went, Bonjour madame and he tried to stop to talk to mm-hmm. me and all I had to do was like hold up my bag and I kinda pointed at the bag of food that I had <laughs> and he was like, Oh, bon appetit and allowed me to walk right on by. So even <laughs> literal strangers will say this to each other in the street. Um another example of it is in my office. If we're sitting, eating in the breakout area, people will come into that space and mm-hmm. see you eating and they will just wish you a bon appetit. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's really I like nice.
0: I um, However, it does not translate back in Scotland. Why? When I sit and eat with my family now, I have the reflex of saying bon appetit and they look at me like, what like how pretentious are you like why are you telling us bon appetit with a french accent you know and it's one of these things that i'm like oh it's i'm programmed to do it now because it feels rude to not do yeah, it yeah. It, feels it feels rude polite to, yeah to start eating without having wish someone a nice meal it doesn't it doesn't fly Aww.
1: <laughs> but i think that's kind of sweet of you to continue that tradition going back home you yeah. know okay can we have one final rule please
0: one more rule is cooking for a group of people with even just a tiny amount of spiciness in it.
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, I think in overall traditional, like, day-to-day simple French cuisine, the spices are uh, that are chili are not really being used. Mm. I really don't know why it's like that. Like, seasonings, I would mm. say, is a big part of a French cuisine, but when it comes to chili spices, I think maybe it's seen as it dominates the overall flavor Mm -hmm. or other flavors when the dish may disappear because of the chili spices. I really don't know, but it's true that there's a lack of like chili spicy food.
0: Well, having said that, though, here you can find lots of international cuisine. Yeah, you know, you can find like American food. There's lots of Indian restaurants close To where I live, I live near the Carte Chinois, which is mm-hmm. like the Asi- a- Asiatic area where mm-hmm. you can find lots of Chinese food, Thai, Vietnamese, uh, Luoish, and it's a great mm-hmm. area actually. I really love going out to oh, eat there. There's yeah. so much choice of food. It's not that the city is lacking in international cuisine, I think it's just maybe not as authentic as it would be.
1: Uh, But again, like as you said, I think it's becoming more and more common to find more international restaurants within France, not just Paris as well. And I don't know, this could potentially be due to the fact of colonizational history of Mm, France. Okay. I mean, there are many African restaurants, uh, like Algerian, Tunisian, Mm. or Asian, like Cambodian and Vietnamese, and they were all colonies of France. The official date and date of colonization is around uh, 1960s, Mm. so it's pretty recent, unfortunately. And all these people that were left in a little bit of a limbo in between these two cultures and who actually stayed in France... Try to start up their businesses mm. here and by opening up their restaurants basically. And in order to adapt, I think they had to appropriate their own cuisine okay. uh, that can match the French palette.
0: Mm. So, in addition to all of the international restaurants and cuisine in the city, you also have a lot of places that offer regional specialities. Ah, yeah. And when I was living in Montparnasse, I found there was a whole area that served crepes uh, from yes. Bretagne. Um, you can find restaurants that has specialities from Auvergne and from Pays uh, Pays Basque and Savoie and all Mm -hmm. of these places. So it's
1: very true Paris is this big melting pot of French regional dishes as well as international uh, cuisine but I was curious this morning I looked into We live here, right? Uh Like, what is a Parisian dish? What is, what, which food originates from Paris? Yeah. And I did a quick Google research. I'm not sure if these are valid information.
0: Well, if it came from Google, obviously it's true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, here we go. So, baguettes and via Baguettes are Parisian? Yeah. So, basically, uh, do you know why all these, like, croissant, pain au chocolat are called via No. I learned that they all came from Vienna, Austria. Okay. And when they arrived, the recipes I mean, yeah. arrived to Paris, a Parisian bakeries have changed the recipes, including baguettes, okay. and it became a Parisian special speciality.
0: Wow, okay. That's a bit cheeky. Yeah,
1: I know. Okay, here's another one. Onion soup. <laughs> that, that's Specifically Parisian really? Yeah, yeah. I never had it actually. Did you ever have it?
0: I have, yes, I've And had what it. is it like? It's brown and oniony. <laughs> okay <laughs> Says Anything that... else? <laughs> I'm not a foodie.
1: But I heard that onion soup is a dish that is served at the end of weddings. I haven't attended many meetings here, okay. but apparently it's a very traditional dish, like you eat, you have mm. like entreplats, fromage, dessert, all of that is done, you dance the night away and at the end of the night you have that onion soup. Wow, okay.
0: Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. I like the croutons uh, that yeah. them. Yeah, the croutons, but I mean, yeah, it was, it was delicious <laughs> when I ate it, you know, I just when you asked me what it was like. I like onions. It, was, it was it tastes good. like onions, it tastes like onions, and it was brown, but it was, it was very nice, yeah. So I'll give you a last one,
1: huh? because you know, France is so famous for its cheese, and I was wondering if there's any type of cheese that's uh, particularly from uh, Paris or Région Parisien, uh-huh. and it's brie. Oh really? Yeah, and imagine where it comes from, it is somewhere located between... Melon and Fontainebleau. No way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Kelly and I used to work in Fontainebleau, and we used to take the train to go to Melon and then to the Fontainebleau. So we passed in front of that whatever village town it is <laughs> a lot of times. Yeah. 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 Oh, we did not talk about cutting cheese. Did your colleagues tell you any rules about cutting cheese?
0: No, that never came up.
1: This is one of the biggest internet cliches, and it's kind mm. of true. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: so you know, like outside of the cheese, there is this like powdery, funky, funky stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the skin mm-hmm. of the cheese, and it's uh, I think it's called rind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So here, when you're when we're cutting cheese. So brie, for example, Mm -hmm. it it looks like camembert. It's a very soft cheese with the rind outside, and that part is actually edible. Mm -hmm. So when you're cutting it, you're supposed to cut it out like as a pie. Okay. And if you are to share that, you need to make sure there's a good balance Mm -hmm. of the outer part and the inside part. Okay. Because again, it's all about like mixing the right um, amounts of flavor. Yeah, <laughs> as you taste the cheese, and if we're talking about a Comté, love a Comté. Yeah, it's it's a good one. It's the hard. I I prefer harder cheeses actually. And Comté is so large. When the cheese makers are making it, they have to roll it on the floor. Okay. And that rind part outside is not edible. Right. So when you have a slice of comte on a shared platter mm-hmm. and if you are to just have at it and just get the part without the crusty part outside, it is true that you are taking the good part and leaving the bad part to the rest of the table. Right,
0: okay. So it's like, so it's manners just to leave, it's just a, yeah. yeah, just to leave enough of the, the good cheese and the crap that they've rolled on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right, that. Okay got it. <laughs> do we have a quote today?
1: Ah yes we do. So it's from uh, uh, Marcel Post. Okay. Uh, at the beginning he talks about the Madeleine and he tries to remember what it makes him remember of. Here, the, here it goes. And suddenly the memory revealed itself. The taste was that of the little piece of Madeleine which on Sunday mornings at Combray my aunt Leonie used to give me. Dipping it first in our own cup of tea, Ortizan. So this is known in the literature history uh, as Madeleine de prost okay. uh, because it basically talks about food revoking that involuntary memory mm-hmm. uh, that you actually are not aware you're remembering but because you smell it, you taste yeah. it, you see it, it makes you remember something. and. It revokes emotions in you.
0: Yeah, I can kind of understand that. I can think of a dish that my mum would have made me when I was a child, that if I was to have it like right here and now, I get the smell and the taste of it would take me right back to my childhood. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's very true. I guess food has that power in our memory that just makes us feel stuff. And now that I did not choose this coat to get here, I chose it because it was about (laughs) madness. Actually, now that we're talking about this, at the beginning of the episode, we said like, what makes French cuisine so special? Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe that's that, because it's really in France, you're grown into a culture, being as a little child, food being so important in your life, you know? And that's probably why it's so special. I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yes. The ceremony that I mentioned right at the top Mm -hmm. of the episode, that bonding, that experience, and that, that sense of family that everyone has around them in those moments that they're spending mm-hmm. together.
1: Yeah, let's end on, on that note. Yes.
0: So, that was episode three of Presca Presiem with Kelly and Dalara. If you have any comments or any questions, you can follow us on Instagram or you can send us an email. Both of those are on the show notes for you. So, until next time, take care, everyone. Oh, hola!